Welcome to a football show Monday edition here brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group, our two awesome local amazing sponsors. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. D. Good commenting in the comments, which I guess is where you would comment, uh, within seconds of the start of the show. Excellent up-tempo offense from D. Good. Good to see you, boys. Uh, Zach, how are you, sir? How was your weekend, man? Oh man, I'm I'm a, I'm still recovering. We did a uh, two day barbecue contest. Uh, got tenth in uh, our steak that I cooked. Got tenth. Uh, the margin of error for a KCBS tournament. You you may not know this, but like the difference between a thirty second ranked team and the top ranked team is like all points combined, at like sixty points. So it's like a thin margin of error across thin, three different categories. It's crazy. So 32 total and you finished 10th? Your meat finished 10th? Finished 10th in that particular category. The steak nice. did. Nice. You got nice meat there, Zach. I appreciate I that. Uh, I know how to you, cook steak. If you'd like to see his meat, go to the Twitter account and look at all the photos of the meat that he was posting all weekend. I uh, enjoyed it quite thoroughly. Uh, I, by the way, uh, quick recommendation here. By the way, uh, saw Neil Brennan on Saturday night at Zany's. Effing spectacular. Just a genius, a comedic genius that hasn't really... Uh, gotten to grow much yet because he just sort of kind of came back from the Chappelle show uh, stuff. So go check out Neil Brennan uh, blocks on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing, but he was at Zany's all weekend. It was awesome. So we got some stuff to do for you guys today. Obviously we'll, we talked a lot about sort of the philosophical things that I think fans should approach a schedule with on Thursday's episode. Today, we actually have all 18 weeks and 17 games and some observations to get into those, that those exact scheduling nuances, what actually does matter uh, not last year's winning percentage, for example. What what are some things that actually do matter in terms of how the schedule is laid out, some of the games they're going to play? I know, Zach, stacking the inbox, of course, right? You got lots of stuff coming on the schedule. Yep. I uh, The first three games have been analyzed. It's basically why will the Titans win, why will the Titans lose, and a bunch of different stats, like key addition, key losses. But like uh, an example of a key stat is that last year's Chargers game, 17 to 14, right? So, but Herbert had 300 passing yards over the little bit, three, 313, if I'm not mistaken. He's had 22 300 yard passing games, and this was his by far the worst performance of the 300 yard passing games. He averaged, uh, average, adjusted average yards per attempt, 5.31 yards per attempt. And he, this is the only 300 yard game he's had versus the Titans where they did not that he did not have a passing touchdown he had two interceptions so you know just are you saying suggesting, that's are you, that matters are you suggesting that passing yards may not be the perfect metric that you know yeah. 1982 nfl fans think it is okay well it's just kind of amazing this is the only three out of 22 300 yard games it's the only one where he had a passer rating below 70 the only one where he had zero touchdowns and the only one he had with 5.35 yards per or 5.31 adjusted yards per attempt, which yeah, is the yard- that's a that's a, that's that's quite amazing. But this was also at the same time the worst rushing defense performance by the Tennessee Titans. So right, like it's, right. it was a weird game that the Titans probably should have won because the mismatch is the coaches. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. Um, so we'll go into the schedule a lot today. Rookie camp, I had a chance to go out on Saturday and take a look at, uh, um, you know, Bigfoot slash Transformer Optimus Prime playing quarterback there, number eight. Uh, Skaronsky was out there. Duncan was out there. 
14 undrafted free agents. A lot of stuff was out there. So a lot of guys were out there. So we'll talk about rookie camp observations. Again, nothing that we don't want to overreact too much, but uh, there's some interesting stuff to be had, uh, of course, with that particular uh, weekend of practice. Uh, social media, Titans, we'll get into this. Just have some fun with those guys because because congratulations to them uh, for the job that the Titans uh, social media did. Um, Kingston Group and Sinker's Beverages. Again, just a reminder, please go to Sinker's Beverages in East Nashville or Bluegrass in Hendersonville. Uh, you can sign up to be in the crowd. It's called in the crowd or the in. Sorry, I screwed it up, Zach. In the, crowd. the in crowd. <laughs> sorry, sinkers. Um, but they are the defending champion. They are the best liquor store in Nashville, named by the Nashville scene in 2022. They have an awesome selection. They'll help you pick out what you want. Uh, I needed some Mother's Day stuff, some nice wine, some champagne for both my wife and my mother. So I went to sinkers, picked it all out. They helped me pick out the right stuff that they want. I might have also found a VIP allocations for some brown water while I was there. That was just for dad. Don't tell anybody, but they'll help you out with that too. Uh, great beer selection as well. So make sure you check out Sinkers. And then, of course, the Kingston Group. You guys know the deal. We've said it like a gazillion times. Uh, they are here to help you with big decisions about your house. You don't have to make those very often. But when you do, you want the best possible help, the best possible advice, the best possible people on the job. So the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. I think I've said that enough times on this show, Zach. Just just memory at this point it's just muscle memory uh it's just mike Vrabel doing reps at this point so um all right let's get into um let's get into rookie camp uh we talked a little bit about on on thursday show zach about what we were looking for and there's not a whole lot to be found and i think the thing i said the number one story coming out of rookie camp is going to be how freaking massive will levis is going to look in shorts and shoulders <laughs> <laughs> and a t-shirt and sure enough uh the talk of the press and the coaches and everybody else on the sidelines during the, his first practice was look at his calves <laughs> you guys at- you guys have you you media people have some big <laughs> exceptions uh, or obsessions with calves and feet and thighs uh, thighs and yeah. you know oh were you surprised at how big derrick henry was oh that's a great question there <laughs> Um, so again, I, I thought we were kind of poking fun at that on last week's show. Yeah. Um, and, and having seen poking fun at it, but in reality, just calling it like we see it, which is exactly what happened. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, but again, it's also true. He is a transformer. Like he looks like an action figure. Whereas I, you know, I've stood next to both of them at SEC media and Hendon Hooker. And I don't mean to be rude to Tennessee fans, but Hendon Hooker would look like a middle school child standing next to Will Levis. Well, yeah, and he's like he's he's very thin. Like yes, compared, and and then even further down for Bryce Young, like you got to go even further to like fifth yeah. grade to get to Bryce Young. Um, and and I I think he what's what's the we'll get to some of the specifics, and if you have any questions, Zach, I certainly want you to to fire away. But the thing that I walked away from, not like any specific plays or arms or anything like that, like obviously he's very physically gifted. He just reminds me of Ryan Tannehill. He he reminds me of Ryan is Tannehill. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I don't, is, is I don't good, know. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Could you look at it from this perspective that, okay, he reminds you of Ryan Tannehill, but is it Ryan Tannehill now or Ryan Tannehill in Miami? See, I didn't – so I'll, I'll, I guess I need to kind of clarify my personal stance on Tannehill is that I never thought he was a great draft pick or a great quarterback in Miami. And then he kind of resurrected his career. So I, I was always kind of one of the guys, again, I was on 
on the radio at the time saying, I don't know why they would make the switch. I don't know why they'd make the switch. Sure enough, that was dead wrong. But but nobody saw 19 and 2010 Hill coming like he had yeah. never had. Those were complete statistical outliers in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it, It's not it's hard to answer that question, Zach, with a. I, I if you get 12 years of Ryan Tannehill franchise quarterbacking from Will Levis, then it will have been a very good draft pick. Does do, it mean do you think that he looks like the Ryan Tannehill of now? Like I'm, I'm trying to what I'm I guess I'm trying to do. So you kind of get where I'm coming from is say that if he looks like the at worst, the 2021 or 2022 version of Ryan Tannehill right now, then that's a good floor to start from. You get what I'm saying? That's not yeah, you're yes. not necessarily yes. limiting him to yeah. Ryan Tannehill of that, but that's. If you're saying, are you, I guess, do you walk away with saying something like that thinking, okay, that's kind of the floor is Ryan Tannehill. I I think ultimately that's how I feel is that I think worst case scenario is you're probably getting like the 16th best quarterback in the NFL for 10 years. And and that gives you a chance to win games with an upside of, of far greater than that, right? Like the upside is, is who knows what the upside is, but to see a rookie running around and again, just looks like from a skill set standpoint, size, he just looks like Ryan Tannehill. Like, it, it, I don't know, like he, he moves like Ryan Tannehill. He runs like Ryan Tannehill. He's got the arm. Like, I, I think he's got a, sh- we'll talk about his delivery. Cause I think that was noticeable that it's a little bit quicker. It's a little bit shorter. He kind of drops his arm sometimes when he's rushing, but like it, it, and again, maybe it's just having seen Ryan Tannehill in a Titans Jersey running this offense for the last five years or four years that it just feels very similar. It looks very similar. So it kind of is like you're you're basically saying you realize why they like Will Levis and you realize why that Will Levis to Ryan Tannehill is going to be a pretty seamless transition. Um, I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like what you're saying to, yeah. to me. Yeah. Do, do you – did you see enough touch on his throws in the short and intermediate throws? Because we, basically everything that he throws is a, is a rocket. And it doesn't matter if you're two yards in front of them or 20 yards deep, you're getting the same speed ball. So I thought one of the more interesting throws, and there were three that really stood out to me. One was, and they were actually all three to different rookies. One was to, to, to Dal uh, on a crossing route, which was a beautiful ball. Probably his perfect, probably his best throw. Um, About a 15, 12, 15 yard crossing route from the backside. Really nice throw, big play, ran down the field and waited for Dal to come back, gave him a big high five. They celebrated together. Uh, really nice throw to, to Josh Wiley on the kind of a corner smash route. I think Wiley was lined up in line at that point um, and kind of does does the little corner route there. It was a little – he floated it a little bit. Vrabel had some stuff to talk to him afterward, like saying, like, hey, make sure you drop it in there a little bit sharper. But it still beat the safety by a step, so it was the right place at the right time. The one that Tajay Spears dropped, I think, is the one where we could – maybe Vrabel's looking at that on film and Kelly and O'Hara and saying – because he changed his arm slot. He went a little bit more over the top because it was like a little five-yard crossing route out of the backfield. And he kind of threw it really, he threw it down, right? Like he threw it down into his gut because he was trying to avoid the defensive player behind him. That one was a little hard because it hit yeah, Spears. It looks hard in the video because I know which one you're talking about. Yes, it looks, it hit Spears. like It was a right placement though, right? Because he changed right. where he was throwing it. He wasn't going high and outside or out in front, it was trying to avoid the defender behind Spears, so he threw it down into his bread, kind of down into his gut, but it hit his stomach and kind of bounced off, and it was, I don't think that was on Spears necessarily, 
I think that's probably a little bit more on Levis needing to take a little bit off that because it was very short pass. Well, everybody, so, everybody else said it was on Spears. You know, I mean, if it, if it hits you in the stomach, you probably should catch it. You're an NFL yeah. player. Like, well, I mean, if it I'm hits a, you in the stomach and knocks your breath out, good luck. I'd like to see how I like to get the, all those media members out there and see how many can actually catch it if it gets hit in their stomach. Because I yeah. know I probably couldn't. The the truth of the matter is, we're not going to know any of this stuff for a while. But to at least see some moments where you just go, okay, I get it, I get it. That that was a really nice throw in rhythm, within the confines of the offense, in the pocket. And considering what we watched last year this time. I was about to say, sounds a lot like it's night and day difference. Maybe even like decades worth of difference between Will Levis and Malik Willis. When Malik will, and this is not, this is just an example. So it's purely anecdotal and I'm not trying to pick on Malik Willis here. But when Malik Willis would roll out to his left, it was just one of those things where like, oh, you've never been asked to do this. It's There's a reason you've never been asked to do this and it doesn't look good. And Will Levis rolled out to his left one time and like it, it was very natural. It looked completely natural. It looked totally like he rolls to his right or like a drop back. Now, did he have some moments in plays where he was clearly like, oh, shit, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, oh, shit, that's a lot. I didn't see where I was coming from. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And there was clearly some moments like that. And that's that's pretty normal. But he absolutely looks the part he like. There's certain guys that have competed with Logan Woodside for backup quarterback for this job that clearly just don't look the part of starting NFL quarterback. Blaine Gabbert's probably the only one that looks the part in practice. Look, he's not any good in a game, but right. he looks the part. Of, he looks like an NFL player in practice. And Will Levis doesn't mean anything, but looks absolutely like a franchise starting quarterback. Just complete control. Uh, great story by Rex Road and the guys on the athletics sort of backgrounding his his intensity and his work ethic and his training and how smart he is and everything. So it is a great article. But can I can I voice some um, annoyance on all the articles? I am already sick of the Will Levis articles. We we have learned <laughs> everything we can of Will Levis. I we agree. have heard from Liam Cohen all offseason. Like I can't stomach another. I interviewed Liam Cohen today, and this is what he had to say, which is the same shit he's already said. I mean, like, you're going to have to give me something new with Liam Cohen if you're going to interview him. Um, and I know that there's a Liam Cohen article coming out soon, so I, I feel a little bad about shitting on it. But I can't learn. There's nothing else to learn about Will Levis, I feel like, after the Rex Road article. The Rex Road article feels like the definitive tie a bow on it. I think so too. We're all wrong about Will Levis, including myself. You know, we're all wrong about the Will Levis, the person. I just want to see Will Levis, the football player from now on. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like what he is, who he is, background, how he grew up, family, personality. It's all it's all known commodity at this point. All that matters is can you put the ball on the receiver's hands on a 15 yard dig route running full speed against an NFL defense? Uh, you know, that that's all that matters now at this point right. now. And, and I thought, um, you know, again, I, I don't know how, how if, if we want to focus just on on Levis, if we want to move on and bounce around. But like he was I don't know, it just it, it struck me watching him run because Tannehill is such an above average athlete, but he doesn't use it as much in sort of the, you know, like designed running circumstances like Levis is the same way. You're not going to use him in designed rushing situations the way maybe the Bills use Josh Allen but you're going to use him on the move much like you do with Tannehill. And they just are similar sizes, similar build, similar frame, similar athletic ability. You, I, I got the feeling that they have now a 14 year, a 12 year younger version of Ryan Tannehill <laughs> yeah. playing quarterback. So they just, they just set their clock back 12 years is what it felt, is what it felt like watching it. 
Well, you know, that's, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, when we were at the barbecue contest and what clips I could watch and everything, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was kind of watching Ryan Tannehill. If you wouldn't have told me this was rookie minicamp, and of course they didn't have the numbers on, I would have probably thought that was Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. The only difference I think, and this could be interesting, is his his arm slot changes from time to time. And Which is a good thing, right? Sometimes like, that's a Mahomes thing. does that. Sometimes it's a great thing, but you have it's one of those where it's like a golf swing. You have to if you can consistently make golf uh, a good ball contact on a golf swing with with found with fundamentals, then you can kind of do all the extra cool shit to make the ball, you know, slice and fade and draw and you know like but you have to kind of fundamentally know how to reconnect with the ball consistently every time, which I cannot do. But if you can do that, then you can kind of start throwing off platform and change your arm slot and do all this other stuff. But you kind of have to have the foundations first. And that's my that's what I'm interested to see is, is this out of bad technique or is this out of I'm already evolving beyond the foundational processes that I already am good at? And he would do it when he was hurrying. So if it was a play action, he then he would kind of he would slot it down. If it was to the flats, he would kind of drop it down a little bit. But Rogers does that. Mahomes and Rogers both do that. So the the question is, and the and if that leads to a quicker release, and he has one of the quicker releases in the NFL, then that could be a huge benefit to him. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not, it, maybe it's a little less accurate, which we saw in college, or it's getting knocked down at the line of scrimmage. So the, it it could be it could kind of go both ways at this point, I think. Okay, so Peter Skaronsky probably looked like a pro among the rookies, right? Like, wouldn't you say? Pro- I mean, I would just assume that everything he did was like a pro standard, like a pro yeah. level, like every every drill, every snap, all that kind of stuff. I know he said he played both positions, but he certainly looked like a starting left guard in the NFL to me. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a starting guard. I don't think there's any mystery behind it. I mean, they can, yeah. they can try to create a mystery, but I just think that's, that's going to be what it is starting out. Now, whether Andre Dillard screws up and they do something to play around with it, you never know. But like I think starting out, I think we know for the first time in a long time what the starting five of the offensive yep. line actually looks like. The the physical difference between Skoronsky and Duncan is pretty obvious. Yeah. It's well, pretty obvious. I guess since you just mentioned Duncan, let's let's shift to Duncan because I was gonna try and go in a, a somewhat of a semblance of Sorry. order. But um no, but th- getting to Duncan is good. That's a good transition. And the clip that got played is the clip where he's taking on the tight end and the the as a defender technically I guess and taking a tight end and Peter Skaronsky on and he ends up on his ass and then that gets played up next to another number seventy nine Isaiah Wilson and I will call this the most overblown clip of the week I feel like is this particular clip it's the only there's I think there's only one other um, I don't know who had it but someone had another clip of Jalen Duncan that was a good rep with a good explosive you saw his athleticism what were your overall impressions of Jalen Duncan including that play uh, it just incredibly raw but incredibly athletic and talented and like again there is a noticeable physical difference in size between Duncan and Skaronsky but if you're telling me that the number 11 overall pick was physically more prepared and more polished and more and better than the sixth round pick at the offensive line position in this particular battle, I would hope that that's the case. I would hope that Skaronsky would win those battles with the guy who was taken five rounds later. Uh, but the athletic side, like the size is just there. Like it's, it's, it's there. I think there's a lot of work to do. I think there's a lot of polish. Um, there needs to be some, I think the physical tone <laughs> needs to be a little bit tighter up. 
Um, and I'll and I'll get to that. Actually, will lead me to something with with Carlton Dowell here in a second. But I think he's just got. I don't like using the word baby fat, but like there's just a little bit of college left in his game physically. But he is still bigger and longer and rangier than Skronsky by a pretty noticeable margin when you look at him. Well, do you, how do you think he responded to that play where he gets put on his butt? Do you think he responded well following, you know, other drills and stuff like that? Because to me, it's like you're asking a, an offensive lineman to play the role of defender, which is not a natural yeah. role to play. And then, you know, it's also you're kind of like you're some of these drills you've never had to run in college. And, yeah. you know, that's something that you can, you can also talk to and Colton Dow kind of segue into that is that like, I also feel like mistakes are bound to happen. I, I don't know if you call them like a lot of people said, this is a bad rep from Jalen Duncan. Well, that's not Jalen Duncan's job. It's a it's great a rep. Peter Skaronsky. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, he's not playing defense. So he can't be a bad rep for Jalen Duncan. Yeah. He's a, he's a, He's Phil. He's a he's a warm body in that role. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be very clear and honest. I did not. I don't remember the plays right after that. Like I don't. I don't have that like stored away or written down or anything. I didn't. I don't. I don't want to lie to you guys about that. I will say. You know. I saw there was a, a one of the plays in team where he like messed somebody like like jammed his hand or something, and he and he looked like he wanted to come out of the game and he was going to come out of the come out of practice and he kind of like shook it off and like went back in and had a pretty good couple of reps. So like I again I we're probably taking way too much into all this stuff. I think there's some physical toning that needs to happen, but he has got a, he is a, he's, he's a large, large man. Like he is. Yeah. But I mean like the mental aspect and the, and stuff like that matters. If you're a project, you have to have the will to, or the, the want to, to do it. So that's why I ask those questions. I, I will say this, and this is hard to, this is really hard to say. So I don't, I don't love doing this, but Carlton Dowell, Am I saying the wrong one? Colton Dow. Colton Dow. Why am I saying that? I don't know why. I've, I've called him Powell like five times too. <laughs> Colton Dow. I w- like that dude doesn't see, like he seems to be on the same page all the time. Like mm-hmm. uh, the right page, the same page. And when I stood next to him about four feet from him, here's what he reminds he For those that have never stood next to Traylon Burks, he is a very large dude. Which is probably ninety nine percent of our listenership, but he is thick, man. <laughs> but he's thick. Well, yeah, that's why he had all those asthma issues because he's he's fat. Colton Dowell, Colton Dowell is like a lean version of Traylon Burks. Physically, they walk the same. They are the same size. Traylon Burks is just a bigger guy, bigger legs, bigger, just bigger, just kind of thicker. And I and I don't mean out of shape necessarily. Some guys just are bigger. Um, but he looks kind of similar in size and build, but like leaner. And he certainly was like, he totally screwed up the ladder drill, fell down on his face and like, you know, got up and then had a pretty clean practice the rest of the way. So I think he responded pretty, pretty well. Um, I, but he looks the part, man, like he can move around. He was working on special teams. Like the way this roster is constructed, there's no reason he shouldn't make the roster. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that isn't that what we've kind of all thought anyway, it's just a matter of if you're pushing out you know, Chris Moore, or if you're pushing out Racy McMath, and I would say that Racy McMath, yeah. good thing that you have math in your name because your days are numbered. Wow. That's what you think about that? You spent all, all day, all no, weekend just on that. Did it right then and there. It's just a natural <laughs> um, flow. I do fun. think you're, sh- I think you're shorting Chris Moore. I think he's on the team, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Well, but I'm just saying that, I mean, I didn't, I said that Racy McMath was going to be the one, the odd man out, but I mean, those would be your bottom two odd men out. I mean, when you look at the big, yeah. Scheme I think he. I think Moore is viewed 
I think Moore will be on the team. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, okay. so I guess I'm not viewing him as like some like throwaway thing. Like you're trying to put words in my mouth. I'm just okay. saying you've been very anti Chris Moore from the beginning. So well, I, I, he's just a guy. Like I'm not pro Chris Moore. I'm 75 not five targets last year. 75. Okay. Yeah. That's because the Texans have one of the worst <laughs> rooms as well as last year as well. Valid. I'm just saying he is just a guy. It's he would if your best case scenario for Chris Moore is that he turns into 2022 Robert Woods, which guess what? It's still a bad case scenario for any wide receiver because 2022 Robert Woods sucked. So if, uh, if if Chris Moore has 50 receptions, though, that will be a productive member of the offense. Uh, well, unless they're all like, you know, yeah, five eight yard. yard yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I we don't know what the, <laughs> we don't know what those 50 yards, 50 receptions. Are. Um, uh, Wiley, Josh Wiley looks the part. Like that yeah. dude looks the like a total at, like I will say this about this entire class. They all look the part. Every one of them is big, rangy, physical, athletic. Is that different they, from they years past? Part. Like when you're yes. when you step out in the field? Yes. Uh Roger McCurry, Elijah Molden, um, Kyle Phillips. Like I can go down the list of guys that are like that that were very ready to play, in my opinion, like like mentally and sort of technique wise, but just not physically there yet, right? And some of the guys, you know, Phillips can't just all of a sudden be this a 6'3", 210-pound guy. Like, that's not what's going to happen. But this was a, this is a very – physically a very large class. It's just – they're big, big dudes. Any, any Anything that you could glean off of Reggie Roberson, you know, that he, I know that he showed up and played, anything that maybe he stood out on or anything? No, I'll be honest. I didn't watch the receivers a ton until we yeah. got to team drills. Uh, and then it was, again, it was Levis to Spears, Levis to Wiley, Levis to Dow. Like, it was – they were throwing to the guys as as and first teamers um, that they drafted. I, Spears, I thought the 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 quickness and sort of the shiftiness in space was all there. Uh, they were working on sort of releases off the line of scrimmage one time, and I think I got a video of that. I put it put on Twitter. Really quick feet and quick release off the line. So if he gets motioned out of the backfield, there were a couple of occasions where more than one running back might have been on the field at the same time, and that looked like a really interesting potential lineup, which I know we've all wanted to see for the better part of like six years <laughs> with Derrick Henry. Um, but they, I did see some 21 out there for sure. Um, I, I think you just, you know, they, they look like, I will say they all look like NFL athletes that there's nobody out of that six that looks like is a project is a reach. Cause like even, and I like Roger McCrary, so I'm not, I'm not using him as like a negative example, but Roger McCrary kind of just looks like a guy. Yeah. Like, and I think it's because he's smart and works his butt off and is, you know, I think that's why he's changing his body this offseason, but but he kind of just looks like a guy. Whereas all six of these guys, if you saw them walk by, you'd be like, okay, that's an NFL player. <laughs> the um the, I got there's two media set obsessions this weekend that kind of drove me nuts. And uh they they kind of both play into the injury angle. But first, this Carmen San Diego game that everybody's playing with Kiaris Jackson like it matters is driving me nuts. Whether he plays, whether he's on the team, whether they signed him to UDFA, who gives a flying shit about Kiaris Jackson? Because I you, don't. You mean the guy that was walking around in a in a uniform but without any equipment sure. on? Whatever <laughs> yeah, that guy was, just, was doing. He was there. I don't know. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, but everybody's obsessed over it. Like everybody's like, well, why isn't he playing? Oh, let's ask, let's waste time of Mike Vrabel and ask about a guy that we know he's not going to answer about that's probably not making the team anyway. Because we have yeah. this weird obsession with that. 
this all starts because I, I don't know if it's Phil Yates or Tom Pelissero said that he signed and now everybody's like, oh, maybe we can get the ESPN guy and got him wrong. But obviously he signed because he's, no, he's on there. the team. He was he was there. Guess what? He's not that good. So let's not even care about it. He was. They were doing lots of fielding of punts because we know Mike Vrabel wants someone who can catch punts. Hey, Rand, get me someone who can catch punts, please. Yeah. Um, and they did a lot of that. And he was kind of in that in that group. So but again, wasn't really doing it. He was just sort of yeah. doing like mental reps like that. Yeah. So, uh, and please tell me the other one is the ACL question. Please tell me that's yeah. the other one. Okay. Uh, um, I guess, I guess my thing is, is that, um, the way that they are framing the question, like he's injured and I've talked about it on this show and football and other F words. I don't know. Maybe you can pass this along at the next media scrum, but Taj, Taj Spears is not injured. He is not hurt. He's not currently injured. He's not currently hurt. He is, he is able to play the game at full health, and I, I don't know what they're expecting him to say about the ACL that he hasn't already said. Why does he have to say it in front of you so you can get your ego off that you asked some question that he's already said? He's so, already talked about this ad nauseum. There's no reason to keep fucking bringing it up. There's zero I, reason. I don't think he does himself any favors. He could just say, like, no, I don't have it. Because I think the only the only he has like, <clears throat> the follow Go back up. in other interviews. Don't need a why no, do you no, need no, a follow up the, to something he's already answered? Because not everybody cares about all the other interviews. Not everybody cares about it. Basically, you you got a chance for the first time as a human being to speak to another human being. And if you say something about I agree with you, the injury stuff is stupid. He was first in line in every drill. He was running at full speed every time. He was first in the team reps. He was first, like he was he's clearly the best running back at, at this at this particular group of of players, right? It's not even close. And he's running full speed. So he's not injury is not a thing that is 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 available. I think if somebody just says, Hey, so do you like do you have an ACL? And he and he kind of is cheeky about the answer and is like, uh I am healthy. That's all that matters. I'm here and I'm healthy. Yeah. Like you, you could just be like, no, I'm here and I'm healthy. Next question. And then it's like otherwise I I agree. He's already with said you. it. I, I, I I guess I guess I should say to you to the media people, maybe do your fucking research. I, I mean, he's he, his words out of his mouth has already told you he does not have an ACL. Why does he have to placate to the Nashville media and say it again? Maybe if you want to, if you want to frame the question, I can help you guys out beforehand. If you need help with coming up with <laughs> questions and framing your questions appropriately. Hey, you've had a full weekend of an NFL level practice. What is your recovery like in between now and the next camp in your training, considering that you don't have an ACL? Yeah, or or, or ha- like, oh, yeah, fucking be in the press room. You all should have to submit questions to me so I could say this one's already been answered. I, we don't care about Will Levis getting an autograph from Mike Vrabel when he was 17. Ooh, great. <laughs> great. I'm so glad we no, got I'm not going to what I'm, high school did you go to? Let's I'm not going to I'm not going to defend any of that shit. But what I do, there is a there are particular reasons why a particular media outlet would want to get a yes or no answer from a particular source uh, uh, directly and in person from someone directly. It's That's because all. they have an it's an ego thing. It's a, there is no I'm, literal logic to it. Just go look at any other interview he's ever done. I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry that people can't do that, but (laughs) Um, I I do agree with the most important part, which is to stop talking about this. Like he is an injured player. I think that is not injured. That, that is a more important angle to all of this. And and to your point, he's injured right now and playing and playing hurt. 
that's a damn good sign for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> now he is not. I will say he is not a large guy. Like of all the of all the six, he is the one that is sort of I would say below the average size of an NFL player for his position. Like like just in general, the other five are like monsters um, in terms of their, their average size. But but uh, he was first up, showed a lot of burst, a lot of quickness, a lot of wiggle. Uh, lined him up in a lot of different situations. Like he's just a very versatile piece that I think is going to be used a lot. And I, I think he's an asset to the team. So um, it should be interesting to watch how camps continue to evolve. And those players he's continue to be to like this year's in. Kyle Phillips. Don't you think like he's going to be, he's going to be the guy that is everybody's talking about after every camp. They're like, wow, this guy's explosive. And you know, the only reason they're surprised is because they haven't watched him and haven't paid attention. I think uh, this just kind of hit me, so that's why I'm kind of bouncing around here. So yeah. I apologize, but but like Wiley's releases, I think are interesting. Uh, like Tajay Tajay Spears is extremely quick and, and decisive. Um, I think if if Wiley can get the releases down and really like explode off the line, I, he can be dangerous because once he's going, he's a tough cover because he's so big. And so Levis had really he has a big catch radius and big windows to throw the ball to. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, again, they were using him as like a, a pass catching TA, TE1 in the, in this particular situation. Um, you know, I don't think there is anything else to use him as. There's no contact. Um, but then when they went team drills, Levis fumbled the very first snap, and then he recovered after that and was, was in good shape. So uh, some really nice throws. So Let me ask you uh, this. Your expectations or your hopes for this draft class – does it seem like there's a good chance that you because we talked about like we we you probably will have at least five future contributors out of this team in 2023? Because obviously Colton has a clear path. Jalen Duncan doesn't have a clear path. He's the only one out of the six with no clear path to contribute because Will Levis technically can do himself a lot of favors between now and camp. But we know that he's gonna be at least a future contributor. Do you still feel that way? Are you feeling pretty good about this draft class compared to other draft classes? Maybe sans the 2019 one. Man, that's a tough question. I have to oh, like. Oh, I read. got a better question, real quick. Okay, let's narrow it down. John Robinson's first draft class compared to this draft class. So the 2016 draft class compared to this draft class. Oh, what are you feeling right here? That's Conklin. What is that? Conklin. Uh, Henry. Austin, Austin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Kevin uh, Byer. Byer was in that class. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so hard to like compare a couple of like all-time Titans <laughs> and an all-pro offensive lineman. But I, I will say comparing them as rookies, you know, that's we're not comparing them as what they are now. No, I know. We're comparing them as what their expectations were going through. Because this 2016 Man, team had very low expectations, much like this team. I think there's a lot of parallels to these teams. You want to know why I can't remember what that class looked like in rookie camp? I did not cover the team that year. That was the first oh. year. So I started covering the team um like officially when our show launched in September of 16. So I did not yeah. I did not officially move to, to even covering an NFL team technically until um, so I would not have been at rookie camp or even OTAs or even mini camp for that year. I will say I can compare it to last year's class. Yeah. Like I can compare it to last year's group and be like, all right, well, this guy looked physically ready and was clearly a specimen. This guy looked again, like Roger McCreary kind of reminds me of Spears to some degree, like a little undersized, doesn't look like an NFL player, but clearly is going to be one. 
Um, I remember, I definitely remember Elijah Molden. Elijah Molden is one of the guys that stands out the most as like the most ready I can think of in like day one of a practice, rookie camp and training camp where I was just like, that dude looks like he's a three-year veteran. Yeah. Like physically, mentally, in the lineup at the right place, involved in every single part of the game. Like he just was there. And I, I don't, I think it's too early to tell, um, you know, I will say you're right about Duncan. If they decide to keep three tackles, which has been the tradition, he might be the odd man out of that group. But if they go four tackles and have, or somebody that's a swing, you know, or what does Skaronsky count? Like, what do they view him as, as a backup tackle or like what's, and then Raiden's is not anywhere, you know, close to being ready to be on the roster really actively. So I do think Duncan is the odd man out. I think they expect why I think, the first Wiley's obviously making the, the team. first four. The first four, I think, have to be pretty mainstream contributors. Like yeah. comparing Wiley, I can't wait to compare Wiley and Chig as the camp goes along because it's so fresh and so new. Because Chig looked absolutely the part last year too. Like Chig looked, he was much like, like he looked. He looked the he looked the the part for his role because yes. they, he yes. did struggle with blocking. So. Josh Wiley's role is to kind of do both, kind of be a little bit chick, kind of little be a little bit blocking. So you can't tell with the how tell his blocking, pads. yeah, It'll yeah, you gotta have pads to for see that. how his blocking is compared to where Chig was last year. That's a good. I hadn't thought about that, but Chig room also like Elijah Molden. Chig is one of those guys where, like, at the first day of practice, I look it over at somebody that I'm talking to about medium, like that. That looks like a professional football player, yeah. not like because he's like chiseled or like a monstrosity, but like in the right place, in the right time, doing the right things, lining up in the right positions, just sort of looks like he's like, looks like he knows what he's doing. And um, I, it'll be interesting to see what Wiley does once they have pads on and they're actually practicing. But I thought it was a pretty good, I was a pretty good class. It's not like overwhelming with like star power, but one of them's a backup because your first round picks a guard and your second round picks a backup quarterback. But like, there's a lot of athleticism in this group and, yeah. and a lot of guys that could contribute. So we'll see. We'll see. Go to Sinkers, everybody. Go to use use Kingston Group. Sinkers and Kingston Group. Um, uh, <laughs> how do you feel about Lightning McQueen in Week Two? And well, that's a football logo in Week Three. <laughs> oh, that was fan- fantastic! I mean, I, the Chargers Rawr. just did the same thing they did last year, and so I was a little disappointed in what they chose to do and the route they chose to do it. So it's nice to see that the Tennessee Titans did something. They did two videos, and both were pretty good. I didn't like the calmness of Robert's Western world. Like it's very chaotic in there. So I didn't really feel like the vibe was Robert's Western world, but I understand, you know, obviously video, but I love the cameos that they chose and everything like that. Uh, Jeff Fisher, Seamus, Jelly Roll, Nate Bergazzi, and then some people I just didn't know. Um, hey, my, my Shout out to my boy, Tommy from Moon Taxi, who's wearing the, uh, he's wearing the V-Love jacket that was like that. He was at the bar clinking, Oh, yeah. drinks. Uh, I will say this. I, I was hard to read. I thought it was very well produced. Yeah, it was very well made. And the and Coach Mack is awesome. It was hard to kind of figure out where the teams were it was pop up at. It was hard to actually read the schedule. Like other than the last two and then maybe like the Ravens game that was on like the, the post there. Yeah. It was hard to know. Like at one point I was reading the, the pool table table light in the wrong direction. <laughs> like I'm reading from right to left. Like, what are we doing here? So I thought they could have done a better job of that, but I guess that's not kind of the, the point of that. Um, but man, they spent a lot of time and effort and production value to put that one together for it to get no run compared to the other one that was done yeah. with a handheld miniature microphone. Can we talk about a, that miniature, a bunch mic, of red miniature mic trend? Broadway. Why can't people have a real, real life size mic? 
Why I, is this miniature mic the new trend? I hate it. I, I think it's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I I, th- I don't think it's as ironic as ironic as it is just like stupid. I, I think they're trying to be like like look how low budge this is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think that's the whole point. I think oh, maybe. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like to me, this was like, oh look, we're gonna go out and interview a bunch of drunk people on Broadway with a fake mic. Well, I just know this is the new trend. It's not just know, them. It's it's the new trend. I just don't. But my God, I, so I don't love I don't love Broadway videos unless Josh Black's doing them. Uh, I don't love these sort of like schedule like ske- like the fact that the Titans put so much effort into their schedule release video in in Rhett Roberts seems so odd to me. Like it seems odd to to ask all those really important people to get together to film a thing and then shoot it and probably edit it and pay somebody to do it, but for like a for what? Like I don't understand. Like just I, I don't love any of this stuff, but then my God, I watched that thing. So the, the editing was brilliant, no notes at all. Just yeah. But da 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 just love it. So good. North Carolina Tigers. <laughs> it, it's all good. I mean, there there's it's just it's oh incredible. God. The Red Falcons. <laughs> or the uh no that's not what they were the red stallions the red stallions, the red red stallions. stallions. um doesn't and even then, look like a horse i know i know <laughs> and then she growls and stuff uh the 49er 69ers <laughs> yeah that was a good one <laughs> it just it just kept hitting man it was just banger after banger after banger and i gotta give them credit man they did a great job yeah that's very good uh, like my and the one the ones that are like really close i actually found to be equally as funny like st oh, louis yeah. ram st louis rams right out of the gate not yeah, even close that was great i loved it <laughs> not even close so congrats congrats to the titan social media team well done well done go to sinkers everybody uh sinkers beverages uh you titan social guys and men and women i'll take you to sinkers i'll buy you a drink for the work you did on that one kingston group as well make sure you check them out okay uh nuances here i can i throw one stat at you to start this conversation sure See what you think. So I, I think I checked all 32 teams. I'm not 100% positive that I did, but I'm pretty sure I did. There's only two, there are only two teams in the NFL that have a bye week before the two games. Okay, this is going to be hard to explain. It's a bye week game. It's always a good stat when you, right. when you did not practice this enough in the mirror. Bye week game, Thursday game. So when you have the four-day break between games, there are only two teams in the NFL that have the bye week leading up until that. The Raiders are the other one. They'll have they'll do it in week 13, 14, and 15. But I find it interesting that your bye week is week seven. You then play Atlanta at home and then at Pittsburgh on Thursday night. So you get a 14-day. Now, some of that is traveling back from London. But you get a 14-day window to prepare for the short week. And only one other team in the NFL has that. So I don't know if that's worth talking about, but I find that interesting that most everybody, and including the Steelers in this situation, their Thursday night opponent, will have played three games in 10 days, whereas the Titans will have only played, they'll have extra time to build up to those two games in that short week, for whatever that's worth. This is probably a little bit easier way to kind of encompass your stat into uh, a more digestible way to put it. And this comes from Brian Burke of ESPN, and he calculated the best net, uh, the best net rest differential since 2002 by team. 2023 has got some great, great schedules for five teams. The Bears, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, and the Browns. Okay, so the, first off, those are the five of the best, not only in 2023, but the best since 2002. The Titans have are... One of the best of all time, 2023 Titans have one of the best of all time net rest differentials 
since 2002, since this was all starting to get calculated. So that is really good sign. That plays into what you're talking about, the big, long uh, break between the short week. And then you got to remember, or for the long week before they get to the short week, and then you got to remember they're going to pick up an extra uh, couple of days of practice and rest after the Pittsburgh Thursday night football. The mini so they got yeah, the plenty, mini plenty of rest built into one short time right before they get into a pretty favorable schedule, which overall, I think the way that the schedule is set up for the Tennessee Titans is really, really good. All right. Um, that's one, I've got a bunch of things kind of listed as positives and negatives, and that was just one that caught my eye first as one of the positives. Yeah. One of the negatives for me, and I'll just kind of bounce around here, and if you want to jump in, yeah, please, please feel free. Uh, one of the negatives, I think, is that they are going to go – Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow in the first four weeks of the season. Those are arguably, I mean, you got, and then you, and then you got Anthony Richardson and Lamar Jackson. The, the, the level of quarterback play drops precipitously in the schedule <laughs> once you get to that middle. Cause then you got Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Carolina. You know, the quarterback play goes way down after that rest period, but not in the first month of the season. The first well, month of the season, that pass defense needs to be ready. Yes and no, because like the pass defense is going to have to be rig ready regardless. And it should be like the defense as a whole compared to the offense doesn't have that many new pieces that you have to adjust around. And the staff is largely the same. The scheme is largely the same. You're getting Harold Landry back. Who's familiar with everything that's going on, but it does fall onto the Chris Harris getting the defensive backs ready. And that will be one of the key pieces for the stretch specifically for the Chargers game. But when I really look at getting Derek Carr week one, that is a pretty good draw considering that he's not going to have the chemistry that you're looking for when you're, when theoretically, because here's, here's what I mean by that. Neither are the Titans, right? The Titans have a lot of new pieces from the offensive line to everywhere. So the Titans' defense needs to take advantage of all these matchups. And one of the biggest matchups they could take advantage of is Trevor Penning, who's on the left side. He only has one career start, and he's only played in a handful of other games. You load up that left side. You pressure Derek Carr. Get him out of rhythm. Don't let him get to Chris Olave. You are going to make hay. So that it's like one of those games. This is a slugfest kind of game to me. It's, yeah, I see so what Alvin Kamara is. I don't think that Derek Carr, I think the narrative out of this and the Cleveland game is going to be largely the same. The Titans are going to win, but all they're going to talk about is how overpaid New Orleans is and how overpaid or how overpaid Derek Carr is and how overpaid Deshaun yeah. Watson is and how Deshaun Watson still looks like the same Deshaun Watson of last year. It, and no credit to the Titans. And I kind of don't blame them. In that instance, it's kind of like winning the games that they won last year at the beginning of the season. Weren't very impressive. I think the Cleveland game, they have a chance to win decisively in a in a close game, but it's still decisive. I think the Chargers game, man, I I wish I could say they're going to go 3-0. That Chargers game right there reminds me so much of the Bills game last year. <laughs> Well, and they 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 have a terrible track record against the Chargers in on the West Coast. They're a little bit better at home against them. I, I just think if you rank the six the seventeen quarterbacks on their schedule, outside and and I don't really exactly know, you know, I mean, again, other than Trevor Lawrence, you could argue that 
five of the top six quarterbacks that they're going to face the entire season all come before they play with Baltimore and London in the first six weeks of the season. So the, yeah, the, point, I mean, the point being, you're I guess play if you think a, that highly of Deshaun Watson, yeah. But, I mean, it is comparatively, comparatively, which is what you're saying, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, the rest of it is, again, we, we don't know what Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to be by the end of the year. Would I rather play a lot of these rookie quarterbacks at the beginning of the year? Sure, I'd rather play the rookie quarterbacks at the beginning of the year. But... I think I'd ra- I also like the idea of the last 10 games of the season being filled with pretty average quarterback play almost every step of the way or a rookie with the exception of Trevor Lawrence twice. Otherwise, you're two, two, I guess two is in. I should say that two is in there as a road trip on Monday if he's night. Healthy, you know, but, like, yeah, who projecting, knows? Projecting two to be healthy in December 11th right. seems like a seems like a, uh, a tough like, one. Rookies, Geno Smith, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, like those quarterbacks don't scare me. They don't scare me. Right. I mean, like it all comes down to looking at this schedule. You get to three and three at the bye, which is kind of, I'm kind of there pretty much. I think it's, I've settled on three and three. I I got them at two and one on the first three games. Three and three at the bye, you're looking pretty good. I agree. Because you're going up against Desmond Ritter. Then you got Kenny Pickett, and who's there's no one to be Baker, f- afraid of there. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield, maybe Kyle Trask, maybe Ryan Tannehill, because you traded away Ryan Tannehill to Tampa Bay. Um, <laughs> then you got Jacksonville, which Trevor Lawrence is just hasn't been that spectacular against the Titans. He has one really good game. Everything else has been kind of pedestrian. We don't know really which is the real Trevor Lawrence and if Trevor Lawrence is going to be just who he was last year or take the next step. But I kind of want to talk about Indy real quick. So we mm. you, Indy week five. We, we think it's going to be Anthony Richardson. There's a good chance they roll with Gardner Minshew for these first few weeks. So you may get Gardner Minshew this game and get him get Anthony Richardson sometime after their bye, possibly. Yeah, it's week week 13. Yeah. Week 13. So you yeah. So I don't know when their particular bye is because you know Google Oh, oh Colts bye. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the Colts bye. Like, give me one second. I'll I'll get pull up right here. Um I, I hate how the team websites do it. Okay, so their bye week is week 11. So, yeah, you could face Anthony Richard in the second one. But you look at their schedule. They play against Jacksonville. So do you really want to throw Anthony Richardson in there against that defense that could probably throw some things at your rookie quarterback? Then you go to Houston. You know, those – I don't know if you put Anthony Richardson in two divisional games start the season. Then you get Baltimore, and then you have the Rams and Tennessee Titans. I don't know if Anthony Richardson, I don't know. I don't know if he plays those first five games, and that's a good thing, I think, for the team. It's possible. Um, You will get, I would say this is possible, you are almost certain to play four rookie quarterbacks after Thanksgiving. Yes. Now, would I prefer, again, would I prefer to play rookie quarterbacks in the beginning of the season? Probably, but... I still I don't like know you're the, getting him at the rookie wall, right? Like, and maybe no, exactly. And I would, would I, would I rather be playing Joe Burrow in December? No, I'd rather be playing yeah. a rookie quarterback. Like, like that's, I'd rather be playing Joe Burrow as early as possible. I feel like. right. Right. And, and again, this is also another positive for the schedule. Three of the last four are at home. Five of the last seven are at home. Yes. They've got an incredible stretch in there where they're going to play one home game from October 8th 
all the way through uh, November 26th. They will go with one. They will have one home football game in like a seven week period of time, which is crazy based but on a lot of it's, it's the bye week. Okay, it's London because the Titans don't have a home field advantage under right. Mike Frabel. Right. That, but, that thing, that home field advantage thing for the Tennessee Titans. And this is it's just they win. They may lose. There is no home field advantage for the Tennessee Titans at all. But in the last seven weeks, you're going to play five at home and f- at, against four rookie quarterbacks, potentially like that. That is a lot of home cooking against inexperienced quarterbacks. And then, of course, you, you finish with Jacksonville this year. Of course, it's at home. Um, we knew this already, so this is not new information, but no Josh Allen, no Aaron Rodgers, no Patrick Mahomes, no Russell Wilson, no Jimmy Garoppolo. You could argue those are five of the top eight quarterbacks in the AFC. Yes, yes, you've got Herbert and, and Burrow on the schedule and Lamar Jackson, but they are they're gonna we already knew all this stuff. I mean, you put you draw the easiest NFC West quarterback schedule that you could draw. It it's it looking at it, I have been telling people that I think that it is logical to take last year's team, look at this year's team and look at this schedule, look at this stuff they've done and say, Mike Vrabel, if he can coach and get seven wins out of that team last year, that just got decimated by injuries. If this team remains just somewhat healthy. I'm not even saying completely healthy. If it just remains somewhat healthy with key players, this is going to be a division contending playoff team. They'll still get ran out of the first round of the playoffs at home. But to me, this schedule sets up really nicely for the Tennessee Titans in so many ways that you cannot. I think anybody who thinks that they're going to be one and five or uh, oh, and six at the bye week, and then they're gonna be put wondering who's put in the quarterback. You know, is it gonna be Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill? I think that they're they're fucking high as a kite. Here, so here, I've always said this most about every single team ever in NFL history. As long as you get to the to the halfway mark at five hundred and you're fully healthy, you've got a chance to do something special. As long as you're four and four, and I guess now it's five and four, but in theory, I'll let's go with your three and three in the first six, then they get the bye. Let's say they beat Atlanta. That would be a really nervous game for me because of how Atlanta is built, but it's coming off the extra rest, and so Rabel's, Rabel's generally very good in that situation. Let's say they beat Atlanta and Tampa lose to Pittsburgh, so they're 5-4, and four because then five of the last eight are going to be against the division. It's all division, and it's a lot of home games the final five to eight weeks of the season. So if they are 5-4, and four, or even 4-5, and five, going into that road trip to Jacksonville, they have a chance to win the division. You don't need to be seven and two. You don't need even need to be six and three. You just need to be around 500 going to that, going into week 11. And then you finish because five of your last eight are against the division. And they're against quarterbacks that, that are, you don't know what the situation is going to be. Is Bryce Young going right. to be able to hold up? Is he holding up by week 12? We know Tua may not be there. Is it going to be Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew? Because maybe the Colts have done just enough to still be in talks of the division with Gardner Minshew, and they're going to put it off as long as possible. Seattle, is Geno still going to be Geno of last year? And Geno of last year stunk around this time of the year. He he was not good, and it's at home in the, you know, that's, they're coming to the East Coast. All that stuff just lines up for a it's a 10 win team minimum, I feel like. Like 
I mean, you have to project everybody to be at its healthiest. So when I look at the schedule and I do my projections, I think projecting injuries is just weird. Like just assuming that this team's going to keep the same injury rate or assuming every Jacksonville is going to be the same as healthy as they've have been. And with injury luck is crazy, but I view it as the healthiest Tennessee Titans team in week one versus the healthiest Tennessee Titans or healthiest new Orleans Saints team in week one. And then what is that version of the healthiest Tennessee Titans team in week 15 versus Houston and their healthiest version? Can Tennessee and can Mike Vrabel coach up a game plan and are the matchups there? And to me, the matchups for this team and this defense and these offenses is really, really good once you get out of the bye week. I think uh, AFC North, NFC South could not have asked for a better time to be playing those two divisions fully in in completion, Um, especially in the NFC. It is by far the worst division in football, even worse than maybe even the AFC South. And I think getting... Getting Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore out of the way, yeah, in the NFC North or the AFC North is is a really a good thing for the ten. It may not be a good thing for fan base sanities because I think those are going to be the three losses that or, or I'm going to have two losses out of there. But it, it it just is it it looks to me. I just keep looking at it and I go, this is a good looking schedule to prove me right. Like I couldn't have asked for a better schedule <laughs> put together to make sure that I am right and Mike Herndon is wrong. Uh, well, that's all that matters, really, is you it versus is. you versus matters. Mike. Because the now, Tennessee Titans' success hinges on me being right, so it's a win-win situation for everybody. So here's a little Easter egg for those of you who stick it out to the very end of the pod. Um, I was talking to somebody on the practice field on Saturday, and the phrase like "rebuild on the fly," "change on the fly." going through this process on the fly because of Henry and Tannehill's situation and contracts because drafting Levis and Spears because you've changed the coaching staff and the GM could not come at a better time based on their schedule right now. It doesn't mean that some of these teams aren't going to be significantly better than they were last year. I think the Browns are going to be better from a win percentage standpoint. I think Atlanta could have a better win percentage than last year. Carolina should, but I think it's just because they're going to dominate their division. Right. And I, and what I'm the only reason I'm saying that is that I'm not basing the ease of the schedule off of last year's 449 winning percentage. Yeah. I, I could give a shit about that because some of these teams are going to be way better than we think. And some of these teams are not going to be as good as we think. That's the nature of the schedule. I like how it flows. Mm-hmm. And I like that it flows like this during a year in which they are trying to accomplish all the changes that they are trying to accomplish. They're trying and to that, have their cake and eat it, too. And, and that is, is a good schedule for it. And that is not a thing that is lost. On the organization, yes. <laughs> the oh, I'm sure the, the organization building. is loving this. Yes, yes. So I just just float that out there for people. Yeah, uh, rebuild on the fly. <laughs> I like it. Uh, which generally is very hard to do in most sports, except the NFL. You can do it easier in the NFL than you can. I mean, the, the Panthers once they switched to Steve Wilkes last year after you know making moves and trading away Christian McCaffrey. They were still competitive. You're just got to view this team as like they're going to be competitive way earlier than that Panthers team was last year. Yeah, yeah, and and it helps to have a lot of other things in place. There's no question. Uh, also, quick, here's another quick Easter egg for everybody. Just one day of practice, but the the current general manager of the Titans far more subtle on the practice field. Just kind of lingering around the edges. Kevin stu- Hogan is probably somewhere saying it's just a couple of years too late. Just studying and lingering and watching and chatting. Just not. He's not out there with a whistle, spinning it around, blowing the whistle and yelling at people. He's just, just kind of lingering around the sides. Just 
Just an observation. Uh, all you guys, thanks for hanging out, for commenting. Of course, Sinker's Beverages. Zach, you should search Uber Eats. Search for Sinker's Beverages. And then what happens? <laughs> They'll drive so you can drink. There you go, I, the booze. I, I also need to put it in the order. I, I was waiting for you to go through the proper steps. And That's true. I need to put in the order. Liquor. Select your liquor. And then... <laughs> They'll drive so you can drink. <laughs> I'll set you up better next time. Uh, 2022 defending champion liquor store in Nashville, of course. Bluegrass up in Hendersonville. So if you're up there in North Nashville, make sure you check them out. Sign up for the in crowd. All kinds of cool stuff. Cool opportunities. VIP allocations. Special tastings. Uh, events and everything else that's going on. We got some cool giveaways this summer as well. So please go sign up. Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Just remember the name, buildkg.com. You guys know that. Um, otherwise, I think that's it. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. We got a lot of stuff still to do. And camp is like, I can't believe we're already to like rookie OT. Like, it's, it's just nuts. We're going to be, we're going to be screaming through camp here soon. So just uh, excited. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Very, very interesting transition year for the Tennessee Titans. Zach, where can people find all of your great work? Zachintheinbox.com, $4 a month. We'll get you everything that I write and what Trey Watkins writes. And then $5.08 a month, we'll get you everything that we write and what Stoney Killies film breakdowns, draft breakdowns, and all of his Titans analysis every Friday over at stackingtheinbox.com. Become a VIP for just $5 and I think like three or eight cents a month, which is still... Very inexpensive and less less expensive than every other Titans-based subscription site. <laughs> very specific adjectives in that sentence. I like that. Uh, very, very good. You can say it's cheaper than the Athletic because don't they do like a dollar? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so check out uh, stackingtheinbox.com, football and other F-words, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. We had Paul Feinbaum on show on Lamestream last week. We had KJ Jefferson on Fringe Element. So if you're into SEC football, go check that out. There's some rumors swirling about the Predators, so make sure you're tuned into the Gold Standard Podcast as well. All the other great shows across the network. We do appreciate all you guys. Uh, Music City Audible, Hot Read Podcast, you name it. There are a bunch of good ones from Broadway Sports Media as well. Uh, otherwise, I think that just about does it. Uh, the players, there'll be some select veteran players for the Titans speaking tomorrow. Uh, we'll have some reaction for you on Thursday. Otherwise, have a great week. For Zach, I am Braden. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Yeah.